open source projects don't have roadmaps. Well, I mean, open source projects do usually have some sort of statement of purpose. Large ones often have a statement of purpose. Small ones rarely have anything. There's no plan, there's no docs. Open source does not necessarily train you to be a good manager. No, of course not. It's the exact opposite of how you should run an actual project. Projects need things that are not just engineering. Yeah, I think there's a ton of behind-the-scenes work to make a project go smoothly. Hi, I'm Paul Berger, founder of Dark. I'm Edith Harva, CEO and co-founder at LaunchDarkly. And you're listening to To Be Continuous, a podcast about continuous delivery and software development. You can get in touch with us anytime at our Twitter handle, at ContinuousCast. The show is brought to you by HeavyBit. To learn more, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library, home to great educational talks from other developer company founders and industry leaders. So in the last episode, you mentioned open source management. Yeah, I mentioned, <laughs> the original thing is I mentioned uh, somebody was looking for a book on it and they couldn't mm-hmm. find one. There's no book on how to manage an open source project? Uh, that's what they were looking for and they're like, I can't seem to find that book. Yeah, what a what a surprise that is that there's <laughs> no book on open source management. <laughs> why, why do you think it's a surprise? Well, open source management is... I mean, for most projects, and, and you know, obviously it differs for, for large and small, but you know, the vast, vast majority of open source is, is small projects. And open source management is, there's no roadmap, there's no plan, there's no docs, there's no communication. It's just like sometimes a pull request will happen and you might accept it or you might not. <laughs> well, I mean, show up with code, right? No, no, that's 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 not how you run projects. That's a fucking terrible way to run projects. Man, it's like someone said, we, shows we, we, up we. with code and it's like we have to decide do we want to go in the direction that this arbitrary stranger has decided for our project. It's ludicrous. <laughs> we got 30 seconds in before we lost the clean rating. Like open source projects don't have roadmaps. They don't have like what we want in our project, what our project is supposed to do, what direction it's going in. And so sometimes you have people who show up with a with a PR that's just like goes in a different direction. Well, I mean, open source projects do usually have some sort of statement of purpose. Uh, large ones often have a statement of purpose. Small ones rarely have anything. Like, you're lucky if they have a doc that describes what it does. I mean, often once they get to sort of medium size, where, where it's like, you know, one maintainer, but there's, you know, 50 or 60 contributors who, who have like, you know, passed something in and, you know, maybe are hanging around or, or have started or whatever. You know, in, in that world, you will often have like a pretty comprehensive readme. But it won't be, you know, it's very often it doesn't have like documentation about the internal structure of the code base. I've almost never seen a roadmap. When Mozilla was 300 people, there wasn't a roadmap. Really? Yeah. How did you decide what to build? Everyone in the company decided what they were going to build. Wow. Yeah. Everyone in the community, which was, I guess, about twice the size of the engineers in the company. Oh. I mean, occasionally they'd talk, you know, some of the people would talk to each other and maybe two or three people together decided what they were going to do, but there was no like plan. What if two people were trying to check stuff into the same branch? Uh, the same branch? Well, in the same area if two people came with conflicting code. Uh, in Mozilla, I mean, that, that you made all your patches through Bugzilla. So you posted a patch in, in Bugzilla and once you got all the approvals, you could merge it and if it Conflict with someone else, you'd have to rebase it or whatever. Mm. I mean, the you know through the history of large open source projects, contributions weren't aren't even pull requests. They're like managing patches mm. that are sent often to like mailing lists. Mm. It's bad. It's bad. But I mean, the whole the whole thing is bad. It's like any open source project you use. Do you know its roadmap? 
Like, do you know where you would go to find out what its roadmap is? Some of them are actually pretty good. Like, okay. I will give GitLab a lot of credit. Okay, yeah, yeah. That that might be the only like really well run open source project. Yeah, I mean, uh, Sid style and GitLab style is mm-hmm. extremely transparent and extremely well run in some ways. Extremely what? Well run. Well run, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, they, right, they, they have a roadmap and they say when things are coming. Yeah, like yeah. so if you can go and they, they to be frank, they have a launch Darkly competitor uh-huh. and you can go and you can see the roadmap for it. Okay. Which is great. The company's very upfront about these are our projects, this is what we're working on, mm-hmm. here's our deadlines. When do they change the roadmap? You know, I am not that tuned in with GitLab. Okay, all right. But yeah, I, I, I've seen I've seen that they have this stuff out, out in public. The company that is a company built around an open source project, it's a sort of an unusual uh, situation. Well, I appreciate his candor, so I, I'm friendly with Sid. We yeah. should maybe have him on the podcast sometime. But like, he'll be very upfront. Like when we hang out, he's like, "Edith, I have a competitor to you. You can go read about it here." <laughs> like, thanks. You can go read about it here. Wonderful. <laughs> and then he's and then he's also like, "Edith, that was a great talk." We will compete with you on this area. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anyone that said doesn't compete with uh, restaurants? Restaurants. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they've got like their serverless alternative. They've got their. Have they project management? I'm sure somewhere, somewhere, somewhere deep in the yeah, and, the, and, the, and here's where you can go to read about that. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. they are extremely transparent, but they mm-hmm. do have a roadmap. Do we know any other open source projects, like at all? HashiCorp. HashiCorp. Okay. They are open source. They have a roadmap. They talk okay. about it. They definitely, though, they have enterprise features and non-enterprise features. Mm-hmm. But because they have enterprise that pay them, they're very good about about roadmaps. Yes. Okay. What about open source projects that are not companies? Then it gets much harder. Mm-hmm. I admire both of those companies very much, GitLab mm-hmm. and Hashi. If you are ultimately selling B two B, you by necessity have to have some sort of management. The, right, right, right. And, and so, so, so what I'm saying is like the like most of open source is not companies. Like, you know, what about the unsustainable open source? The the people who the who have uh, people who built a library at work and who open source the library. It's a Ruby gem or a Python egg or whatever whatever it is. You know, other companies use it. How do those non companies? You know, individuals manage open source. The way I've seen it done is that they will have some sort of doc where they say what they're interested in doing next. I've rarely seen that, to be honest. So LaunchDarkly does have competitors that are open source. Okay. And I do give them credit. I mm-hmm. think if you want to use that, great. Yeah. At least you're feature flagging. That's better than yeah, not yeah, feature yeah. flagging. So they'll, they'll post it and they'll say, like, hey, here's our features. Here's what we're interested in building next. Yeah. Yeah, I, I released a, an, a standard library sort of open source thing a while back called Tablecloth, and I posted like in the README, you know, here's 15 ways you can contribute. Here, here's like what we want to be, where we are in that journey, yep. and how you can contribute to it. Yeah, which is a roadmap. Yeah, it it is a roadmap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm reminded of a uh, you know why Combinator mm-hmm. they post a list of companies that are interested in funding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. like we're interested in this space. We wish there was a company here, right? I which, think, which I think is good. That's very much like an RFP. Yeah. One thing that we so started doing this when when I was at Mozilla is tagging good first bugs. So tagging places for people to get involved. Yeah. In the issue tracker, and I think I think most open source projects don't have like a well curated 
set of issues. There's just sort of like, you know, it's sort of the, the GitHub issue tracker is sort of like the comment board in, mm. in a certain sense. And and people, you know, keep it open because the issue that people reported aren't dead or, or you know, the opposite, they're way overzealous and they'll close anything that like no one is contributing to, which honestly is, is probably more sustainable. It's nice to give people a nice on-ramp. It is, it is. And there's so much like free labor that wants to show up and help out. People see a thing and they're like, I want to help with that thing. And so it is nice to enable them to do so in some way. Yeah, I mean, it's the difference between um, when you're first learning to drive and you like to like maybe practice in a parking lot versus getting on the Bay Bridge at rush hour. Mm-hmm. And like being able to tell people, like, here's a, 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 I mean, an easy way to I don't contribute. think it's just learning. People just like to, they like to help. Yeah. Oh, oh it's, it's, it's. I, 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 even I, very experienced engineers like to. Oh, yeah, this is a cool thing. I'd love to. I'd love to add a thing. It's an evolutionary thing. Mm-hmm. Like we have been like evolved to help mm-hmm. each other. Otherwise, like you freeze in the winter. Right. So why don't the smaller folks tend to have this on ramp? Just time. It is some amount of work to figure out the easy stuff. Mm-hmm. To, to figure out, hey, this is low hanging fruit, but I'm not mm-hmm. just going to do it. And I will leave it for somebody else to do, if that makes sense. I have an associated theory, which is that open source is largely engineers. Mm. By definition, because you have to. Well, no, I mean, like projects need things that are not just engineering. Mm. They need, you know, technical writing, and they need many of them need design. And mm. they, I mean, there's no designers in, in in the open source world, and that's why that's why most open source software looks like complete shit. I feel one of the things that the open source has done very poorly is make room for people who aren't engineers. Uh, and part of that, like a thing that would be really useful for an open source project to have is someone you know curating the issue tracker, people yeah. doing project management and product management and like writing up specs for that other people can <laughs> contribute to. And that sort of stuff would actually be really useful. Paul, um, you're warming my heart. Because oh. like that's the stuff I used to do. Yeah, I don't do that day to day anymore. But like, mm-hmm. I used to run the ticket scrubs. Yeah, I used to write up the specs, oh. and there was always these engineers who were like, "That's worthless. I just need to code." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why is this, you know, engineering manager of shoving her spec in my face? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just you just need to write code, and you don't even need to know what the code is supposed to do. <laughs> you just write it. <laughs> and like, why do we need triage? Right, bugs? right. Like, I know what's important. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was thinking of a particular example. Oh, Rust. Rust does it really well. Like Rust has governance and it has like people whose job it is to like do all these things and and you know, much much more. I mean, I think most of them are are coders or coder adjacent because it's a programming language, but like, you know, people are and I think many people are paid, but many volunteers as well do all the like Project work, yeah. essentially. Project work is, is exactly it. It's an open source project. It has project work. It doesn't just have code that you can contribute. Which gets very disparaged or put down sometimes. Mm-hmm. Of like, yeah. oh, you're just shuffling around tickets. Yeah. Well, I, I think Rust has multiple committees. Like in my head, like eight or nine committees around certain areas who are responsible for certain parts of, of the project. And the, the parts of the project that they're responsible for are not necessarily things and I think are more often not things where their contribution is code. Yeah, I think there's a, a ton of behind the scenes work to make a project go smoothly. Mm-hmm. Like I was um, part of the lean startup email list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was originally just part of it as a contributor and then I became the moderator. Mm-hmm. 
to get an email group running well. Oh my. It's so much work. Why? We had people all over the world mm-hmm. who would sign up on the email list and you have to review the emails and make sure it's not just blatant spam. Yeah. So is this just like sign up for the random nutrient supplement? Mm-hmm. Then there's all sorts of nuances of like, is it drive-by postings? Mm -hmm. Is it somebody being mean to somebody else? Mm -hmm. Is it somebody being off topic? You know, it's actually a lot of work. Right. How do you stop a flame war? Mm -hmm. People are so hard. And because it was email, it was harder. I think Reddit Mm -hmm. has actually done really well because it's a bulletin board and you can pull down posts. You mean they they can be upvoted and downvoted? And the moderators can delete stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's an email list... You either let it through or or then you you struggle. Or like we had a rule that if you'd post it more than two times, we wouldn't review it because otherwise mm-hmm. it just became too much work for us. Mm-hmm. So these long flame wars would happen. Yeah. And then we would wake up and we'd be like, oh my God. And then how do we stop people from responding again? You can't. Right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Communities are challenging. I think that the you know, the vast majority of open source projects you know, are one person. Mm. There are one person, and then there are somehow other people involved. So, like most like Ruby gems, I'm thinking of like like one person, one person owns it, or you know, npm packages. There's like something like seven hundred thousand npm packages. Wow. Yeah, and like it is increasing at a ginormous rate, you know, up and to the right. And yeah, you know, most of them are are one person. You occasionally get a company behind them, or you know, a, a company whose business is is the package, which which isn't that common. But for the most part, there's there's like one person and occasional contributors. Well, what patterns have you seen work well then in open source? So you said like you thought Rust was well run because they had different committees. Yeah, they actually but, invested in management. But that's also a thing of a certain size. You know, that wouldn't have been appropriate when you know in the in the first few years of Rust when when it wasn't that big. Also, they have a sponsoring organization behind it. Yeah, I still remember Armin telling me about HashiCorp and how one year they got a hundred downloads. Yeah, yeah. Not a hundred downloads a day, but yeah, yeah, a hundred downloads for the year. Yeah, you know, we're we're just starting this with with Dark. We're we're you know now letting people into our community, and and you know in the in the near future we are working on things like package manager to allow people to contribute to the community. And there's a lot of this stuff to be like, like there's sort of two angles. There, there's you know how do we make it possible for people to take part in the community? Yeah, how do you be and then how do we stop them when they're taking part in the wrong way? Or, or how do we point them in the right direction? Or like, how do we make it you know inclusive and welcoming and and just a nice place to be? Yeah, I mean, how do you harness for good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not let people be terrible, but not be not welcoming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any other lessons learned? The thing that I really enjoyed when I was at Mozilla, I was working a lot on contributor engagement stuff, and like, you need a doc that someone can learn. Like, what can they even do? Mm. And now that they have decided to do it, how can they help with this? And so, like, you know, here's a couple of bugs that, like, you know, we have a lot of bugs that look like this. Mm. Here's seven of them. Here's three that have been solved. You can take the pattern to do it. And then, you know, provide ways for them to ask questions, provide ways for them to, to get the help that they need. And to make sure that their work isn't wasted, and also providing guarantees that, like, you know, if you make a pull request, I will respond to it yeah. within three days, within six hours, within a week, you know, whatever your thing is. Service level. So yeah, as, uh, right. I mean, th- these are essentially customers in in yeah. a certain way, and they are they are paying you through time for your time, 
and you, you need to provide some sort of service level agreement. And if you don't, then they'll stop doing that. And well, other people will see that like it's it's desolate over here and they don't want to contribute. Or vice versa, they'll assume your service level is instantaneous. Is instantaneous. It, they're like, well, I just checked this in. Why haven't you reviewed it? <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. no, our service levels, I'll get back to you in three days if it's yeah. something I'm volunteering on. Yeah. Yeah, and so when I when I make uh, open source and people contribute, and that doesn't happen that often, but I try to get back to them. Uh, and I try to get back to them quickly and then tell them whether the thing they have contributed is directionally the right thing. And if it's not, then I will work on docs to to make it so that people can know it was it's not directionally the right thing. Yeah. The more you talk, the more I think about open source does not necessarily train you to be a good manager. No, of course not. It's the exact opposite of how you should run an actual project. Tell me more. Or a team. Like I've argued a bunch of times about how the the flat structure is like terrible for companies, but it's essentially the open source structure, right? It's it's a meritocracy. You know, code walks and what what is the thing that people say? Uh, code talks, bullshit walks. There we go. There we go. Okay, right. Uh, and it's complete crap. Uh, it's 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 <laughs> it's, it's just right. It's 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 the worst way to to organize humans. Is is code talks and bullshit walks? Well, it assumes that you already know how to code and that you're already slotted into this is the right way to do it. Right. It, it assumes that you know all the political machinations of what you're trying to contribute to, and that somehow, if you just show up with the right code, that then that's the and, and that's just not how organizations work. You you have to you know organizations are you know groups of people who are striving to work together and who are doing the work to make dealing with other humans possible. Well, anything else to add? I don't know why you always ask this. Well, I just want to make sure that you have it's just we come to the end of an episode and and it's coming to a nice conclusion and then you just open it up. <laughs> Maybe I'm trying to make sure that you have a space. Oh, oh, I d- don't worry, don't worry. If I have a thing to say, I'll make sure that that, that I find a time to say it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of To Be Continuous, brought to you by Heavybit and hosted by me, Paul Bigger of Dark and Edith Harbaugh of Launch Darkly. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. While you're there, check out their library, home to great educational talks from other developer company founders and industry leaders. 